What's up to all my freelancers, designers, and creatives? This is Nathan. Welcome to another episode of Freelance Jumpstart. Now, normally when you listen to and or watch Freelance Jumpstart, it's me, right? But as you know, occasionally we bring on people for a full interview just to talk about what it is they have going on and just how to get value from different perspectives and different creatives. So today we have the one, the only, the Melinda Lipsy, and she's joining us today. Melinda, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Thank you for taking the time to join us here. Uh, so just to give a little bit of background, uh, I want to talk about how I came to know of Melinda. So um, I was online just browsing YouTube and then I stumbled upon a channel called The School, right? <laughs> this is how far back that was, The School. And I thought it was interesting because it was, you know, two guys both creatives talking about different subjects. And it was for a long period of time. They're talking about design. They're talking about branding and they're streaming for, you know, over an hour talking about a particular subject. And I thought it was entertaining, but I was like, these episodes are long. Uh, But that caused me to look at their channel and say, what else do they have? And as I looked at their channel, I said, Oh, they've rebranded. They're not the school anymore. They're the future. Oh, awesome. And they had tons of content and I think I was about a year late to the party of uh, whenever they were creating content. So I was like, wow, they have this bank of pretty much the information that I want to know. Uh, but one, I guess you could say, series of content that they put out I thought was very interesting was there was this very, you know, soft-spoken, humble uh, designer trying to learn different things. And it seemed like Chris Doe, who was the one facilitating the conversation, you know, it seemed like he was being somewhat hard on her. Like, this is what you need to do. You need to change your business. You need to do this. You need to do more value. And uh, it was Melinda. And Melinda, at least to me, was refreshing to hear because many people on the internet, I guess you could say, act like they know what they're talking about. Even if they don't, they will at least act like it or put up a portrayal or a front. But she was genuinely just being herself, asking questions. I don't know what that means. Uh, She wasn't afraid to say, I don't know. And those ended up being the best pieces of content because that's where a lot of us are. We don't know everything and we're still learning and we will always learn. So that's how I came to learn of Melinda. And ever since I love her episodes, had opportunity to meet her in person and we stay in touch and everything she does online encourages me to do better. So that's why I brought her on the show and that's how I came to know of her. But Melinda, I'll ask you, uh, you know, what is your origin story? You know, how did you get started, Uh, whether it be college, design, you know, just, you know, catch some people up on, you know, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for watching those videos and for your (laughs) kind words about about that, because it was a very scary time. But uh, but it's nice to hear other people's perspective of what they got out of it and what they learned. And it makes it worth it for me to have been on the show, but leading up to that. So my story before that and how I actually ended up there, uh, I, I went to school for graphic design illustration and I got, I lucked out, I got an internship and then it turned into a full-time job at Oakley Mm. right out of school. So it was the one place everyone said, because it was at a portfolio review, I ended up landing it. And they're like, you need to go, go interview with them because it was the biggest company that was there. And so I'm like, okay. And then I ended up landing it, which was awesome. And it gave me a lot of 
opportunity. It helped me see what was the possibilities in design. So I got hired as a graphic designer and it helped me see what could a company do if they have a budget, you know, because if a lot of us have worked for maybe small companies in-house or they worked with agencies, or even if you just get clients, like we're used to working with people with no budgets, it was really nice to work with a billion dollar company or $2 billion company at the time that had a budget for things. And so I could actually see what that looked like. So I worked there Mm. um, on and off for seven years. So I had quit a few years into it, wanted to freelance, wanted to try out things on my own and see what's beyond just working in-house at a company. And then I got hired back in, in the branding department. And it was at that time, Mm. it was called the design kitchen. And so it was a group of only four of us plus our boss and We just would, we would work on special projects. We would work on things that the random ideas the CEO had and just said, Hey, come by our desk and be like, Hey, I want you guys to try this out. And we'd work on um, store facades and retail displays and packaging and um, graphics that went on the products. So I got to touch so much of the Mm. brand in that department. And then I learned more just about branding in general. I think that's where my love for branding came in. As we were working so close with um, just the brand, the logos and the packaging and everything that made up the brand in that department. And then they dissolved our creative department. And so I ended up getting laid off about five years ago. And that's when I decided oh, wow. I want to do my own thing. Like I've always wanted to do my own thing. I've always wanted to freelance. I always freelanced on the side in my in-house job. And I freelanced for a couple agencies um, outside of that and And then I just thought, you know what? No, I got to make this my thing. Like I got to figure out how to get clients. I got to figure out how to never have to go back to a nine to five job ever again. I think that's the dream of most creatives, most, not all. And, uh, and so I, I did it. I rebranded, um, or actually branded myself because before it was just a portfolio I had rebranded myself. I wanted to do brand identity. And so I did, for the first few years, I did brand identity, and then I um, came across the futures information. I was trying to learn how do I get better at logo design because I figured if I got better at logo design, I could charge more. Then I realized that just because I got better at my craft, that doesn't mean clients are going to be banging down my door and paying mm, me more money. Good point. And um, got connected with Chris Doe because of that. And he was like, why are you doing these logo exercises? Do you own an agency? Do you own a business? What's going on? Are you getting clients? And I'm like, no, I want more. That's why I'm doing these exercises. <laughs> so what landed me on his show and him coaching me on camera, um, I had no idea what I was doing. I you know, still figure like you said, we're all learning. I'm still learning things. But during that time of being coached by him and, and even now, um, I had a big transition though when I was on the show and it was, I was having so many frustrations. I didn't know how to give value to my clients. I didn't know how to charge more. I didn't know how to run a sustainable business. And he introduced me to the idea of brand strategy. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he said, I really think if you learn it, it's going to fill in a lot of gaps for you that you're asking Mm. these questions and just learn it and it will, it will solve a lot of your questions. And I'm like, really? And I learned it and I realized, Oh, I've kind of been doing this for my clients. Kind of, you know, when clients ask you like, how can I reach my ideal client? And, and what should I make? And should it, you know, be on the logo, what should we create and what should it say and help me with some copywriting and, you know, all those things that a lot of creatives give away for free. I realized you can actually, 
you can actually charge for that. And you can actually not only mm. charge for that, you can charge for the thinking behind that. You can charge for coming up with those ideas and meeting with your client. And you don't have to just give endless brain picking away for free. And, um, and I felt like when I learned it, it was as if someone had the puzzle box like hidden from me this whole time. And I had all the puzzle pieces, but no one was showing me what the front of the box looked like. So once mm. I learned how to do it, I realized, oh, I can charge for this and this is valuable. And thus I'm kind of doing this, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And I didn't know a framework and I didn't know, I don't know where the edges were of what it was to even talk about it. Um, so I made that transition of two and a half years ago to become a brand strategist. I still was offering brand identity work at that time. And um, I learned it. I transitioned, I would say over the course of the, about, it took me about a year fully, like 10 months to a year to end up selling strategy as its own service for $10,000. And now I help nice. people do the same thing. So I break down the process of how I learned and then help people get to that same spot if that's what they want to do in their career. Awesome. Thank you for that. So, you know, just some highlights of what Melinda mentioned. She went to school, of course, uh, and after graduating school, got a job, as she mentioned, you know, a company heavy on branding, picked up branding. But you did say something that I honestly didn't know. I didn't know the company let you go. Uh, so just a question about that. Whenever they did let you go, what did that somewhat fuel the reason why you wanted to venture out on your own? Was it because I'll never allow somebody to, I guess, let me go again? Or did you want more control? I was just a little interested in that when you brought that yeah, up. Yeah, usually people don't ask me about that. So it's kind of fun to, to talk about that. I always wanted to work for myself. And I okay, was good. waiting. I was I was just waiting for the perfect time. And I would, <laughs> did not have the guts to leave on my own. And I just... I. I couldn't do it. I thought, okay, if it happens, then it's supposed to be that I'm going to do my own thing. But I, and then I knew like things were coming with the, things were changing in the office and the business and a lot of departments were being dissolved and, and everyone was being let go. And so I thought, okay, if I just hold out a little longer, maybe it'll happen to us. So then the decisions made for us. So then what I always wanted to do will come true. And so I was very scared to make that decision to jump ship, to start my own thing. But when I was, when I was laid off with everybody, I thought, okay, now I need to do it because I've always wanted to do it. And here's the time. And so instead of putting all that energy into looking for something else, I'm like, no, I was telling myself, you've always wanted to do this. This is the time to do it. So I was actually the happiest person leaving that day. Everyone else, which understandably <laughs> so, was very upset. Like they Funny. wanted to start. And I'm like taking my severance check. Like, I'm out. Like, see you later. So yeah, yeah, I was I was happy about that. And I just never, I never wanted a full-time job. I landed that because mm. I'm like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. And everyone's like, that's a yeah, good thing yeah. that you have that. And then I got there and I'm like, I don't think this is for me. I just don't think working full time under someone else is me. And I realized it's not. So, <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to get to that point, though. No, that's good. Thank you for sharing that, because I I've, I just observed many times. I guess I'll say it like this in uh, the design community, really, and or pretty much any creative profession. I see this kind of this story or this 
perspective people have, like the ultimate thing is to venture out and work for yourself. But they always make it seem like that process is either too easy or um, very methodically planned. But the reason what you just mentioned, it's like, no, I had it in the back of my mind. But then when I got let go, it's like, do I want to jump back in to another environment and that takes time and everything? Or do I want to just try it on my own, invest in myself? So mm-hmm. I'm glad you took the time to invest in yourself. But I also like your transparency and just sharing that because once again, you don't really hear that online. Uh, I'm always particular when I listen to people's stories because I always research. And it's always interesting how people communicate. They say, yeah, you know, um, I just took a chance. I just took a chance, quit my job. And then, you know, I built a course and made, you know, uh, 200K off of the course. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, because when I did research, you worked at a company for so long. And then, you know, hey, you quit. You quit because you didn't get promoted or something like that. Hey, tell us that, Mm -hmm. you know, right? Because other people have different experiences. So I always just look for the true story. The true story of what behind happened. The, but, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Well, and, but you're, you're very transparent. So I don't have to look oh, for yeah, it. Oh yeah. No, I'll case. tell you. Sure. And I think I, if I didn't share that before, it was only because for brevity's sake or just cause nobody oh, cared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to also add, and you bring up a good point is I did jump ship about a few years in and I did quit to freelance. But what I did was mm. I still lived at my parents' house. So I was like, what else? It doesn't matter if I don't bring any money <laughs> next month because I'm good. And I mm. ended up freelancing for the company that I worked for as well as others, but I never had a plan. What didn't work was uh. I was always running in survival mode. I was always like, when am I going to land the next client? It was just that anxiety of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have to land the next client. And I was making fine money and I was supporting myself. And even though I lived at my parents' house, like I still made what I normally would have if I had a full-time job, but I always had that lingering anxiety and I didn't know how to build it into a, a, a sustainable business where it was feast or famine all the time. It was in and out of like doing really well and then not having any clients at all. And I didn't know how to do marketing. I didn't know any of that stuff. So then when I got offered to come back in a different department at that company, I was like, okay, well, it's in a better, it's in a better department that I like better and I'll be doing Mm. better work. I'm getting paid more. It's more comfortable. So I ended up going back to that, but there, I did have that time of a few years freelancing that I'm like, I, I couldn't build it into a sustainable thing. So then when it happened again, when I was off on my own, but this time it wasn't my decision, it was theirs that that was when I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out how to make this sustainable where I don't ever have to go back like I did previously because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't figure out how to make it a sustainable lifestyle that I didn't kill myself over because it was a lot. You just said something that reminded me, I think, uh, I believe it was an article that you wrote. Maybe it was an article you wrote on LinkedIn, but it was something to the effect of, you you take the leap once your back is against the wall for the most part, right? Or uh, most people don't succeed if they don't have a plan. But the fact that there was no safety net mm-hmm. that kind of caused you to focus more, if you will, right? So I'm just saying this out loud because for some people who are working a day job, which is fine, nothing wrong with that, and freelancing on the side, which is what I've done for years. Uh, and But I did freelance full time too at one point. But uh, the one thing is sometimes that safety net actually might be holding you back. 
Uh, not to say that you need to go quit. So if you're listening, don't I didn't say go quit your job, but you need a plan. And at some part in that plan, you're going to have to say, I need to spend more time investing in myself rather than building up another company. But again, uh, you need a plan. And you, if you want to go back and get a day job, you probably can go back in the market and get a day job. But regardless of how it looks, eventually you'll have to wholeheartedly invest your time and effort in yourself and really try to build. Because some people say they tried, but they didn't really try. I'm really talking about myself sometimes. You say, oh, I really tried that. But you're like, no, you didn't because you only worked on it like two hours a week. That's not a big effort. You're not really going to see the results you're looking for unless you try. Okay, good. You said you brought up a name and people should know who listened to this podcast, who this is. But in case this is somebody's first time, I'll give an example. Uh, Melinda was speaking and she mentioned Chris Doe. Chris Doe is a consultant, a strategist, a designer. He's many things. He's the founder of an agency called Blind in the Los Angeles area, specifically Santa Monica. And they did motion design and motion graphics. They did that for a long time. He's grown that uh, into a thriving business, but even grew another arm of it, which was the future, which is where they teach creatives pretty much all the things they should have learned in school. And Melinda mentioned that Chris coached her, right? Uh, There's something recent that's going around the internet that Chris Doe is a fraud. Chris Doe says things and doesn't really uh, mean everything that he says because it doesn't practically work. He's just saying nice things that are very theoretical and telling everyone to charge more, but they don't really get any results. So that's kind of what's going around the internet about Chris Doe. Uh, whether people believe that or not, that's up to them. I, Chris is my mentor. I got his book. Hey, <laughs> me too. You know, I got the book just came in the mail. Yeah. So I think Chris is great, but you firsthand being coached by him directly. Uh, what were your, some of your thoughts when you heard or <laughs> people talk about Chris Doe? His advice doesn't work, or you know, he's a fraud. What are some of your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's laughable to me just because I think when, oh, I have a couple thoughts because I want to share what my view was when I first met him too. Gotcha. And when I Good. first got coached by him, because it's a little different than now, but but I would say first, I mean, it's, it's laughable, but then also I would say, well, come talk to me because I'm someone who did put things into practice and I did get results and I am a case study of his. Mm. When you think about it, like I am, I am the future's case study, at least one of them. So if someone questions whether or not something works, then I would say, look at the results, like look at the results of someone who has actually put in the work and done what he said and, and look at their life and look at their results. And so I think he has, for the ones that say they tried and they didn't get any results compared to the ones that actually (laughs) did do things and got results that you'd see it would outweigh astronomical. Like there'd be so many more people that have actually gotten results if they've actually put things into practice. When I first got coached by him, like I definitely put him on this pedestal of like, oh my gosh, Chris Dell, I can't believe it. I'm talking to him, <laughs> which he's awesome. I think he he earns every yeah. bit of that. But I there was a time when I was frustrated with him because I'm like, what do you know? Like in my own mind, I'm like, whatever. Like, how mm. are you giving me this this stuff to do? And you don't know my situation. And I kind of had that self-talk that I'm hearing people say of like, well, what does he know? And does he really, he's not putting this into practice right now. So 
yeah, there are going to be some obstacles that he might not be able to empathize with us, like on an experiential level, like maybe he hasn't experienced certain things that we have, but that doesn't mean that his advice is any less valuable. I think it just means that Mm -hmm. we have different obstacles that we're going to have to learn how to deal with. And, and so there were some things where I was like, well, he doesn't get that. Well, he doesn't understand the types of things that I'm trying to do. And he doesn't. And so I was trying to dispute things that he was saying, um, even if I, whether or not I told him to his face or not, I did think that. But as I grew, (laughs) I realized I'm responsible for my life. He is graciously giving me this coaching for free as he has been giving coaching for free on YouTube for everyone who's watched it and Instagram and everywhere else he posts. So I'm like, for one, who am I to say that when I can choose whether or not I purchase his stuff, I can choose whether or not I give him my time and just learning Mm. how to take more responsibility for myself and my results that my results are not they're they're He's not responsible for my results. He's not. And I am. And I think when I started to blame him more for things or get irritated or something, it was because I didn't want to just own it. I didn't want to own my own, my own outcomes and my own results because I am the one that owned my actions. So. No, good, good context to that. I did want to mention something about, uh, Christo. Uh, and for those who are listening, if, to Freelance Jumpstart, there's an episode. It is uh, 69. So if you go to freelancejumpstart.tv slash 69, there's an episode I did called The Value of Creative Coaching. And in that episode, I talked about the fact that you probably need to learn two things. One, the learning style. How do you learn? That's one thing. And then the second thing is there's different coaching styles. There's coaches who, number one, use a playbook. They have a collection of things that work very well and they know when they implement them, they just work. And then there's type of coaches that specifically learn about your personal situation and then give you advice on your own specific personal information because it's tailored just for you. Some people combine the two. Uh, The reason I'm bringing this up is if you are looking for anybody to coach you, which I think is a very wise thing because you can't always uh, see everything that you need to do. Uh, You need to be self-aware and sometimes you just need someone else to help you. But if you do get a coach, know what type of coach they are. Are they giving you a playbook or are they just going to take the time to personally tell you something custom for you? I'm saying that out loud because that kind of feeds into whether or not you're disappointed or not. But as Melinda pointed out, Chris said some things. She said, you don't know my situation. And he's like, just try it. Just do it. She did it. Put in the effort and the time. She got results. Mm-hmm. Right. So it all goes back to. And I'll say this, even though people are listening to this episode, it's great to listen to podcasts. It's great to watch videos. I do that on a weekly basis, but you have to eventually put in the work. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times on this podcast, I've repeated multiple things. Uh, There's another part of my podcast where I do a QA and a while driving (laughs) on my commute. But uh, I answer a lot of the same questions over and over and over because it's Maybe people want to hear the same answer different ways, but at the end of the day, you have to put it into practice. No matter what we say, even what we're talking about in this episode here, you have to put it into practice and you'll learn something. Whether you're successful or fail, you'll learn something. Mm-hmm. So that's, so that's just wanted to make that statement and pretty much mention that. So I don't think Chris is a fraud. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all right. Awesome. So, 
during the coaching, you know, Chris was telling you, or I guess you could say introduced you to brand strategy, and then you started implementing it in your business in different ways and, you know, practicing and learning and things of that nature. So I guess I would say if someone wants to make the transition to offer brand strategy, and you can go into uh, however you want to define it for everyone, but if someone wanted to make the transition to offer it to their clients or even get started in learning it first and then transitioning to offering it, what are some of the steps you think they should take? Yeah, if they just if they're just interested in it, they want to even figure out what is it, should I do it? Um, I would research about it. So I would go on, and someone I follow too is Fabian Guyholter, who has been on the future as well. So he has a couple videos with Chris Doe on the future, very good interviews, talks about what he does. Um, and so he's someone that I also look to, and he's written a couple books, How to Launch a Brand and Bigger Than This. Both are really good books to talk about it. So I would say first start there. Look at interviews. Watch. Um, there's more. Vi- there's tons of videos on the future about uh, talking about it. Me and Chris talk about it, but Fabian does. Yo Santosa. I think she more talks about branding, but there's you know bits of strategy in there, and just research about it. Read about it. Read some books on it. Read all of Marty Newmeyer's books on <laughs> everything possible about branding. Um, he's written a lot and. And then brand, what is it? Designing Brand Identity by Alina Wheeler has a lot to do with uh, strategy in there. And just get to know it and see, is this something that I want to invest in? So I would first just do all the free things, look at the interviews, see if it's interesting. Then I would invest in some books if it's like, you know what? No, this is something I want to I want to look into. Invest in books, read about it. If it really does speak your, you know, pique your interest, then, then you might want to in, invest in education in it. So that could look like time and money, time or money. It's going to be probably both. Um, You (laughs) would want to purchase some kind of framework. So there's a lot of people that sell their process and show you exactly what they've done. So they have examples of them running strategy workshops with clients. And you can, can actually see an example of them doing it. They outline it. They give you worksheets that you can use. And, um, so I would suggest then investing in something like that and um, and then deciding, you know, if that is something you want to do, then figure out how to in, incorporate it into your process or switch solely to just doing strategy like I have. Um, and so I think mm. by that time, you'd probably know, like, ooh, is this for me or is it just something that's good to know about? Um, and then for people who don't really know too much about what it is, Uh, it's really the step before all of those deliverables that our clients come to us saying, Hey, I need this. It's the step that needs to Mm -hmm. happen before that to even decide what deliverables should be created. And so how I describe it at least recently too, is it helps give my clients clarity and focus in what they should allocate their funds into to make the most impact in their business and to reach their goals. So they end up with a roadmap of what deliverables need to be made and when they should do it and how they should allocate their funds for that. Not only that, but also we've uncovered everything we need to about the brand. We've uncovered everything we need to about the ideal client and who they are. And then we play matchmaker and how can we connect the two and creating a brand that's extremely attractive to the ideal client so that all that happens in brand strategy, as well as the list of things and the roadmap to what they need to be building for then on out, because they might not need a website. They come to you saying, I need a website. Well, we might discover in the strategy 
workshop. Some people call it discovery. We might discover that they don't actually need a website. They just need to fix one part of their sales funnel in their website. They mm-hmm. might need to fix just a couple landing pages. Like there might not be need and a total overhaul depending on what their goals are. So we really look at the goal and the vision of the company and then try to gear everything towards that. Like how can we actually get there? So we're strategists need to be good goal setters and know how to break down a vision into actionable steps as well. I think that's something that a good strategist will be able to do and, uh, and plot the way forward. So, yeah. No, awesome. Like you, you mentioned some things I want to just, you know, emphasize just so people don't miss it. So what Melinda's getting at with brand strategy and specifically the word strategy is, and I've talked about this on the show as well, is the fact that there's a whole creative process. There's this creative process that exists. And really, it, the first step really should be strategy. You're planning out what needs to be done uh, based on the mission and vision of a company and some of their goals. And then after that, you're going to get to a part where something needs to be created. So then you get to creation and development and you need to make something, Right. And it, you look back at the strategy and says, does this align with what we're trying to go? And then after you make it, there's execution, right? Because it doesn't matter how awesome it looks. Uh, you could have the best commercial ever, but if you post it in the wrong areas and it gets no visibility, you didn't execute well, even though you have a good commercial. But regardless, then there's execution. And then the fourth one is analyzing things and looking at it and seeing if it worked or not, and then charting course and using those analytics to inform your strategy, and then you start over again from step one. The reason I'm highlighting that is a lot of creatives get stuck in the second and third area, which is you're creating and developing something or you're executing something. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But what Melinda is speaking to is oftentimes when you work with clients, and I know I've experienced this, sometimes you work with clients and you're trying to hey, I just need a website. They come to you with something like that. And you're trying to get the website created. But because in their own business, they don't have a mission and vision, things aren't clear. They can't define what what success is. Because you don't have those things, it's always a little harder. And then you have to talk to them and try to really pull it out of them. And you end up somewhat doing strategy, but you don't really do it because you're just trying to get the information you need to finish whatever you're making. And then you move on. So, you know, a little bit of what Melinda is speaking to is brand strategy as people really need help from an outside party who's unbiased to come in and really just give them specific vision and help them align on it and just say, tell me what your company does. And then they say it and then you're like, okay, who are you targeting? Just to ask genuine questions because people don't have these things answered. And the great thing is if you do brand strategy and get them answered, you don't have to do it every other project anymore. You just, you did it once and it sets the vision going forward. So I I stopped to give that point of clarity because oftentimes, I guess I'll say it like this, creatives don't think that highly. I don't mean think that highly as in you need to know a lot. I mean, think that highly as in, that's where you need to be. That's where the conversation is around, I guess I'll say this, those are the conversations that set the budget to get people paid. Mm-hmm. Off, I, I don't know about you, Melinda, but me personally, I know when I've worked with people 
and the strategy has already been set and I wasn't a part of it, there's some decisions that make absolutely no sense, mm -hmm. but I don't, ha I can't change it or influence it because they already made it. And that's because they made it in step one of the strategy, if they even have one, but they made it in step one of the strategy. And I'm over here in step three trying to say, hey, can we change this? Can we? I can't. I'm not at the right level to speak to that. So I did want to highlight that and make that clear. You do want to speak strategically with your clients just so that things just run smoothly when things are a strategy is in place. Yes. I'm glad you gave that clarity too. And and that shows the difference between what I what I call the order taker or design slave, yeah. as I've said, versus a consultant or an expert. That's gonna differentiate the two. So the expert's the one that has those strategic conversations with the client. The order taker, which I lived what, eight or nine years of my freelance career in, like even when I was freelancing on the side, when I was doing it full time, I was the order taker. I was just the one at the end of the totem pole that got fed all of the already decided things that and just do it, Melinda, just execute on what the plan was, even if it made no sense. And I saw this happen even in the billion dollar company. I was like, why are we making this? And I'm like, don't ask questions, you're a designer. You just do what you're told. And I'm like, but this doesn't have a strategy. Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And no one could give me an answer. Not saying that there wasn't a strategy, but for whatever reason, it didn't trickle down very well. And I wanted to be in those conversations. And when you're the one just executing and you are not involved in those bigger conversations that, like you said, decide the budget ahead of time and make all those decisions of where things will be posted and who is it to, that you end up being, you assume the role of, order taker because that's all that you are mm. and and instead of being the person who partners with the client in making those decisions with them and that's where i always wanted to be but i didn't know how to get there yeah do not be in well some people like being an order taker but and it has its we need place them. but we need them to, yeah. to execute on our plan so i'm like don't quit if you're an order taker but if you if you feel out of place as the order taker that you don't want to just execute. I know plenty of designers who do. They're, they're like, I want to stay there. I like it. I'm comfortable. I do well. It's great. Awesome. We need you. But if you feel uncomfortable and you are constantly asking, why are we doing this? This is a dumb idea. This should be different. That might tell you something that you're in the wrong position and that you actually need to mm. be in the more strategic conversations. No, good. Good point of clarity. And for those who might be an order taker, and I've been that before, I would just say this. Even if you are an order taker, maybe you're working on something and it doesn't make sense. The temptation would be for you to say, this doesn't make sense. And then you just repeat that. And that doesn't help anyone. What you would need to do if you want to change people's perspective and opinion is find out what the strategy was and then speak to why what you're doing doesn't make sense in terms of the strategy that they set. Then they might be able to say, oh, okay, do you have a better way? Now you can kind of influence what it is that you're creating. If you just say, this doesn't make sense. I don't know why I'm doing it. That doesn't help. But if you say, hey, you, you brought this to me. You wanted me to make a Facebook ad. I created it, but this is actually for a healthcare client. And I don't think making a comic book strip about somebody getting a shot is a good thing to use in terms of the strategy that you set. And it's, oh yeah, maybe you're right. 
So it just depends on how you go about it. So strategy can even help you, even if you are an order taker. Now, Melinda listed quite a few things, and I'll put all those in the description in terms of resources that she mentioned. Uh, I don't know about you all, but as she was speaking, I was thinking to myself, maybe someone listening is thinking, this is a lot to you know absorb. She mentioned Marty Neumeier and watching all these videos and reading books from different people. And that seems like a lot. But at the same time, I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. You're making up for what you should have learned in school. That's That's really what it is. And you paid, if you went to school, that's fine. You paid thousands of dollars and they did not teach you these things. So now you're not going to pay, you know, um, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, But if you just are willing to invest in books, free videos on YouTube, uh, blog posts that exist. And like I said, I'll point you to where those are. If you're willing to take the time and invest in that, you'll get a top level education and brand strategy without the price. So honestly... Uh, don't take what Melinda mentioned lightly. What she said is hugely important. And if, once again, it goes back to, if you want to see change in your business, you have to put in the work, even if that is reading a book or watching a series of videos. Yes. Or you can be like me, go to school, uh, have student loan debt, and then you still didn't learn everything you needed to learn. Yeah. Consider this your master's degree, but you don't give it degree. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I'm glad I learned those things today. But uh, I've even been playing around with the thought of, I don't know if I'll do this or not. This is just a random sidebar. I honestly have been playing around with the thought of taking my, what I did at my MBA, finding equivalent levels of business acumen online and just say, go watch these things, read these things, and you'll have my degree, basically. That sounds awesome. Without paying for it. Please do that. Please do. It's like... (laughs) Without paying for it, because I'm paying... And then you could show the difference between, like, this is how much I paid for it. But you knew then what to find, which, I mean, there's so much value in you doing the heavy lifting for people. And then you have a list of, but you can get the same education for a fraction of the price. That's pretty smart. Please (laughs) do that. It sounds like an infomercial. So you can get all of this today for nine ninety nine. That a lot too if you're doing an infomercial. As a side, a side side note, I used to watch infomercials when I was a kid, just because I enjoyed them. I didn't even buy anything. I told I didn't even tell I my, never bought anything my from parents about it. I just I just liked watching them because they seemed so happy. Like life was perfect in those infomercials. Yeah, I never I never purchased anything from an infomercial, but I've always wondered if you called now. I was like, really? It's, it's 2 a.m., but they'd really give me a free toaster if I called now? Um, maybe I should, you know, but I never purchased anything. I, now I'm curious. I don't want to buy something <laughs> just to see what happens. Next we're going to see you on infomercials. Anyway. I would, I would love doing that. But yeah, I just <laughs> wanted to call that out about some of the resources that Melinda mentioned because it may seem like a lot of information or work, but worth. I think it's worth it. Well, yeah, it's worth um, it. For, I did, so if I, I'm going to interject and say this really quick. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so sure. worth it. It is so worth it. I think of what I was going through. Like I had clients who had we were going upwards of like 11, 12, 13 revisions on a brand identity. <laughs> I was not. I, I wasn't happy. They weren't happy. I wasn't producing really good work. Like I had pain. I had a lot of pain. I was going through and listening to all mm. these videos, learning from Chris, being coached by him, putting in the time and effort. I can say 
the the past two years since I've been starting, since I've been doing brand strategy, every client I work with, I love my clients. I love the projects that wow. come out of it. I, I had, when I was doing identity work, I was only showing one logo option and rarely if ever had much changes to it at all. I only had one that I had to redesign and they had a very good reason why that they needed it changed, mm. but everyone else, like barely any revisions. And I reduced the options to showing one logo. And I think, and I'm happy with all of the projects that I've produced and the clients I've worked with. And I could not say that when I was doing brand identity, it was a hit or miss. It was like, Ooh, this was good. This was not good. I'm stuck in round 15 with this other client. And Mm. it changed, it fundamentally changed everything for me. And so it's worth it. Like if anyone's on the fence about doing any sort of education or investing time, if you think of, just think of all the pain you're going through right now and think of life without it. That's how it's going to be if you just put in the time and the effort. So I just wanted to add that. No, good. That's a good addition. Uh, I think on that, I just wanted to call out something that you've mentioned and just so people can hear what you did, because uh, you said, you know, charging for brand strategy, uh, even up to $10,000, right? So, so people may hear that and think, I don't even charge $10,000 for the creative work I do. So just to somewhat give some context to what you're saying, uh, you know, you often say, hey, get paid ten k to think. Can you give some, I guess, background and context around how you worked up to that point? of charging that. So, you know, we, you know, of course you got coaching from Chris, you learned it on your own. Uh, you read many different things and many different resources and, uh, even put it into practice. But, you know, there was a journey of how you got to that price quote. And I think it'd be valuable if you would just hear yeah. it. I, um, well, I heard Chris had charged, I think one of his first clients, he charged 10,000. I thought, oh, that's my goal. I want to at least get there. And the, and so what I did was I learned it learned it with some friends um, who were in the future pro group. So we all were learning how to do it together. We'd have calls, uh, you know, at night, we had a couple hour call a week to go over it. And, and then I decided to do five brand strategy sessions for free. And I did it within, Mm. I think a couple months span. And so I said, okay, I put that down. I'm going to do five. And so I went out and found five people. Some were past clients. One was a family member that had a business Another one was a friend. Another one was like a friend slash client. So I ended up finding five and I thought, okay, I just need to practice. I just need to know how to do this. I need to know that it's going to be valuable to them and that I'm going to get results. And so I did five. Um, A lot of it was like patchwork together. Like I was still learning it and trying to implement it, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. And I started getting results. Even the first meeting my client was having those aha moments were like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I need to do this. And I thought that's, I live for this. I live for helping my clients have those aha moments of things that seemed so obvious to me when I said it, but they were like, I never thought about it like that. I never connected those two things. Like, you know, you hit gold when you have a client go, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. I never, I never looked at it that way. And that's what I knew was like, that's the, that's the biggest value I want to give to my clients. Even just them having that feeling of discovery of something that they had never seen before. So I started seeing that, um, I had a client come to me and they only had a thousand dollars to work with. And they're like, Hey, I have this startup. I need some, some identity. I totally know that this is way below any 
price that you charge or that it should charge. And I'm so sorry. And I completely understand if you say no. And I was like, you know what? How about I do strategy for you? And I'll include mm. a little bit of design, but mainly the main thing will be strategy. And they're like, that would be phenomenal. Thank you. So I charged a thousand with some design work. The next client rolls around. They needed some identity. I said, hey, I could do identity, but I actually do. I start with this phase first. And I showed them a case study from one of the free clients, from one of the free ones. Nice. And they're like, that's amazing. Let's do it. So I doubled the price. I, I actually put it up to 2500 also included some design. And then from there, another client came to me. And she actually came to me because there was a social media manager that had known what I was doing. And she mm. said, this client came to her and she's like, you know what? You don't have a strategy. I can't work for you. You need to have a strategy. So mm. she said, go work for, go work with Melinda first, get that nailed down. Then once you have your strategy, come back to me. And so that was the first client I actually didn't do any design work for. And I was strictly helping her develop her strategy so that she could connect with her ideal client. And then she went back to that social media person and implemented. So that was the first time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I finally sold it for 5,000 on its own, no deliverables, but I was helping her decide what deliverables she should be investing in. And, and then from there, I landed a couple more at 5,000 and then the $10,000 came around. I did include some design work with that. And then there was another one that came around. I'm like, okay, I'm cutting design out of it altogether. 10,000 is just going to be for strategy. And so then I finally, nice. but I worked up to that. So I was doubling every time and I was slowly shedding the design that I'm not going to include design because I saw the value in strategy. I think when, at the beginning, I didn't see the value as much. I'm like, I don't know how to charge for it when I don't see the value yet. As I saw the value growing, I thought, okay, we don't need deliverables to make it look convincing at this point. I know that it, I'm convinced. And now that I'm convinced, I know that I can show that value to potential clients. So it took a while. It did take a while, but I had a goal. I was like, I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm going to get there. And it happened. So. No, nice. Uh, I want to highlight one thing that you said earlier uh, on the same show. You mentioned a comment. Uh, me and Melinda were talking to one another. I mentioned a comment about when you have the strategy, it makes other things easier. So, for example, she said a social media client said, I can't help you. You need strategy. Why? Once again, because if the strategy was set and someone says, I want to do a Facebook campaign. OK, the next question is, OK, you have a clear mission, a vision and purpose. You know what you do. Got it. And then, oh, you already have your target audience outlined. You already have your personas built. Oh, I don't have to make up targeting. I just look at what you've already built for your strategy and I just put it into practice. Oh, it's quick. Now the ads will come quicker and I can better do my job if I'm making a marketing campaign for you on Facebook. Mm -hmm. That's good strategy. Again, if strategy wasn't there, then the Facebook ad person is trying to figure out, okay, who are you trying to target? Cause I need to make audiences and mm -hmm. right. Uh, but if the strategy was set, it's just that much more easier. So no, I'm glad you said that in terms of building up to 10K because it's possible. Um, and I'll also look like how you shared, you just doubled it. Um, you know, it's not, it wasn't some fancy, arduous process. It literally was, I offered some free. I used the free people to create a case study so people can get an idea of what it is. 
And I just continually charged more and increased the price and took away the, I guess you could say, scope of work as it relates to design. So that doesn't mean it's less valuable. Um, Melinda's getting more valuable because she's getting better at strategy each time she does it. Mm-hmm. So that that needs to be captured as well. So uh, I know the mistake I think I made in the past is offering something that was, you know, akin to strategy, but not charging for it. And I think as creatives, we also fall victim to bundling too many things together. Oftentimes when we work on a project, we're doing project management, we're doing uh, typography, we're doing graphic design, we're doing, at least in my case with web design, web design and web development are two different things. But a lot of time people bundle it together and say web design, and they assume you're going to develop it too. But they're two separate things. So I think too often as creatives, we jumble everything together and call it one thing. Oh, I'm a logo designer. But then you're doing strategy in there and you're doing graphic design too. And you're doing all all these other things. You're just bundling it together. Honestly, you need to get paid for each of those individual things. Um, so if nothing else, distill it down to one thing and then just get paid for that, like Melinda did with the brand strategy. So that's just something to think about because I know I've made that mistake in bundling too many things together. Um, that doesn't mean you're trying to get over somebody or squeeze as much money as you can out of a client. That's just simply you need to be rewarded for the value of what you're learning, what you've done, or even the fact that you're just getting better. You need to be rewarded for that, I would yeah, say. Yeah, and I would, yeah, this is like the infomercial thing. But wait, there's more. There's web design and logo <laughs> design. More. Yeah, and when you think about when you're, when I, you know, working at a big company, I saw, oh, there was a production artist. Oh, there was a print producer mm-hmm. that actually got and brokered deals with the printer that it wasn't just the designer that was doing this, nor was it the production artist, it, nor was it the designer. Everyone had a very specific role. So when you think of, you as the designer is doing all of those things, you're pretty much saying that you're wearing 10 different hats and you can honestly tell me that you can do every single one of those really, really well. It makes sense why that is lower value because it's like, how good can you be? But when you focus on one thing, like pick one thing and do it really, really well, your value can shoot up so much more because you can focus then and actually just get really, really good and go deep into that. And then your value goes up and the value you create for people will go up. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like going to a buffet versus one of those really swanky restaurants. They only give you one little tiny Mm. filet on the plate, but they've perfected it and they have Michelin stars and all that. It's, it's the difference. So do you want to be a buffet? <laughs> do you want to be a buffet or do you want to be an exquisite restaurant that gets multiple stars? That's good. So I did want to ask a question that I don't think I've heard anyone ask you. Um, well, two of them. And then, you know, I have a, the final question, I guess I'll say. So one question is a lot of what you did was learn in public and which is great because that's even, like I said, how we met. Are you ever nervous about a client discovering what you've, you know, content you put out there in public and saying, 
what she just learned this the other day. Why is she trying to charge me, you know, 10K? She just learned this. I just saw a video of her not knowing what she's doing. Do you ever wonder about that? I wondered about it until I started landing clients because they saw me on the future. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, we're good. I think there's something. And what was funny was they said, we really like your vibe. Like, and it was interesting mm. to me that they weren't so much concerned about, oh, she learned this recently. It was like, we like who you are as a person. We like your confidence. We like your integrity. We like what we see and what we feel and when we watch. And so there's something about, there's something very valuable about being ourselves and being and having integrity and being able to say, I just, I don't know. And not putting up this front of like, I know what I'm talking about. I think we don't realize how much that's actually damaging to ourselves and our, and to even who we're potentially going to attract and I would much mm. now looking back, I would much rather attract people who who connect with me on the level that I'm at, even if I am learning and even if I learned something last week. But they go, you know what? You seem like pretty confident in it, though, even if you've only learned it recently, because, yeah, there's just something about being you and being OK, just going, I don't know. There's a there's a confidence. There's a strength in saying I don't know, but I'll learn and to act and I'll learn it in front of a quarter million people at that. And I don't know, it's landed me clients. So I guess I can't say. No, that's great. Cause I, I know there's some people out there thinking, do I know enough? Have I learned enough to use this on a client? Not only that, but um, you know, what if they discover how I learned this? I just read the book last night. <laughs> Like I said, it takes practice to get to where Melinda's at. But at the same time, because of her transparency, um, they learned a little bit about her. And they probably learned that regardless of what it takes, she's going to figure it out. So that, again, uh, people buy from those they like, trust, and believe. So they obviously liked, trusted, and believed Melinda would get the job done. And she did. So, yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to ask that because, you know, people may stumble upon your content and see how you learned it. But this this introduces another concept, which is just because you make tutorials online or you make content online showing your level of expertise and even teaching people how to do it. I used the uh, Facebook ads example earlier. There's many people out there who teach others online how to do Facebook ads. They're not going to take the time to watch all your videos because their time is valuable and they want to focus on something else. So even though you gave away the recipe, like a cooking show, that doesn't mean they're going to cook it. They just say, Oh, I appreciate what went into it. I'll just hire you. Yeah, They say, Oh, so, you must know what you're talking you know, about. Yeah. You're teaching other people. And the other thing I wanted to add is they're hiring a problem solver. And you touched upon that, that they clients that see that and see, Oh, you're actually learning and you're growing. You must be confident in your ability to problem solve. Mm. And like you said, whatever it is that comes up, she'll be able to figure it out. I want to work with people like that. I don't want people that just developed mm -hmm. a recipe and they will always go off their recipe. No, I want people who are able to improvise when the oven breaks down or when they ran out of butter mm. or when someone has a food allergy. Like when I think of it in those terms of like cooking, I want someone who can improvise. I don't want someone that's like a robot that can just whatever, go off of their, their recipe or anyone else's. I want someone that's like, I got this. Those are the people that you want on your team. You want to hire employees like that. You want to work with vendors like that. You want to work with clients that appreciate that. 
that are able to, to problem solve on the fly. And anybody listening, you're probably hungry no, I, right I, now. I, I talk about it because I'm hungry. I might be yeah. hungry too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had a, uh, I had another question that was, I don't think I've heard asked. I wanted to um, ask it. You somewhat spoke to it, but I, I'm just a little curious. Uh, do you ever miss, like, I know, I know you're doing specifically brand strategy and it took a while even to get down to that, but do you ever miss designing like identity or any other? Do you ever miss it or ever want to go back to it or ever say, you know, I haven't done this in a while. Let me just jump and do this really quick. And then, okay, I got my fix. I don't need to worry about it anymore. Uh, I don't, I was just curious about that. I don't know if you ever missed it and went no. back to it. <laughs> I don't. Very simple, however, very simple however I no. like to design... I don't even like to design really for myself, but I like being creative for my own stuff. And so if anything, if I'm going to design anything or art direct or anything, I'd rather do it for my own businesses versus a client. So, but I just, even then, Mm. like I want to hire designers to do even my keynotes for me. I'm like, I'm over it. I don't want to lay out type. I don't, I think cause it, I was never meant to be a designer. Now I'm realizing that I was meant to think. I was meant to think creatively and I wasn't meant mm. to create visuals. Maybe art direct visuals, but not not hands-on. I just don't have any desire to do that anymore at all. Wow, you just you just introduced a very existential <laughs> <laughs> concept like Maybe some people are designers. Uh, maybe some people are photographers. Maybe some people are videographers, illustrators, not because that's the best thing for you to do, but because you thought it was your only yeah. option. Yeah. And yeah, so think about that. Try out other things. Uh, maybe if you're if you're finding yourself highly annoyed with uh, the design process or highly annoyed with revisions, because there's some other people who love that stuff. Start thinking about maybe there's something else you should do around the creative space, but not specifically design, illustration, whatever it is that you're currently doing. Yeah. Definitely think about yeah. that. Think about that. Because I know people who love doing wedding wedding photography, but after a certain point in time, they're like, I'm getting kind of tired of, uh, you know, I can do without the weddings. So it's like, okay, maybe there's some other aspect of this you can do. And it's besides wedding photography. Yeah. Maybe you can start teaching other people, right? It's just different things yeah. to think about. Okay. I have the mm-hmm. final question. So I'm, I'm beating on the desk because it's supposed to be a drum roll. And unless you have anything else, I do have mm-hmm. a final question. It. So this will be like a lightning round. Do you have anything that you're thinking about I, okay, before okay. the final there question? There was something that I was thinking about. When you said about getting highly annoyed... I was highly mm-hmm. annoyed as a full-time employee and it was because of oh. the, the all that you were talking about, like the revisions and the design process. And I would always be disagreeing with my boss. Poor guy. He was like the nicest person in the world. And I would always disagree with him. Like, is this really a good idea? And just the thinking I was frustrated with about the thinking I felt was off at the beginning. And the one thing that got me into design in the first place where I changed my major, just not from illustration, but to design and illustration was a typography class where I learned that, oh, graphic design is problem solving and it's creative thinking. And not that illustration wasn't, but the way it was presented was like, you can use your mind. 
And that's what I was so excited about. And then realizing like, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> so when I got into the job, so I just <laughs> wanted to back up what you were saying is, is if someone is very frustrated with the hands-on part of it, that they don't necessarily have to quit the entire industry, but y- they might just need a different position that can utilize their creative thinking in a different yeah. way. So just backing up what you said. There you go. There you go. And and they'll probably find that everything that they've very, learned is still valuable. Yes. It's just it's just that it's being utilized in a different yeah. way. Uh, yeah, I can definitely say that with all the things that I've learned, because uh, I, I the first things I learned weren't even around like web design or anything. It was more around video. But you know, years later, I released content. So there hey, I can use yeah. what I learned in the beginning now, right? So it's it's all related in terms of uh, you learning something. It doesn't go to waste. No, good point on that. Good point. So the final question I would have is this. So if you were to write an email and when you press send, it goes back in time and it goes to uh, Melinda, who is in her freshman year of college. What are some of the things that you would include in that email? Freshman year. Um learn about branding because you're going to really like it to start because I didn't know what I didn't even know really what design was at that time. So I would tell her about design. I would tell her about creative problem solving and to go that direction. I I would say question whether or not you really want that degree if you're going to go <laughs> since we're talking about school. Um, I'm glad I got my degree, but I also think if I had the information ahead of time about all this, I don't know. I don't know if I still would have made the same decision, but I would have told her to to go research about branding and learn about that. And that don't be so try. Don't try to be so perfect that it's okay. You're going to fail. And that's the point. And you're going to learn so much from that. And I, I tried to do things safe, just like not quitting the full-time job when I knew I should have, that just don't be as safe and take risks, especially while you can. And those are the main things. Nice. Okay. Good. Good. So that was the final question. Thank you. I guess the final, final question. That was a joke for uh, designers out there who have those final, <laughs> yeah. you name it final. And then you say final, final. And then you say final, 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 final version five. And then, yeah. So don't ever call it final. I know I've done that. But no, the final, final question is just simply, uh, you know, Melinda, where can people go to learn more about you and everything that you yeah, have going they on? Can, if they want to follow me on social media, they can find me on Instagram mainly. That's where I hang out. Melinda Livesey on Instagram. Melinda Livesey underscore at Twitter. I'm not there as often, but you can still find me there. And then marksandmaker.com is uh, where they can find out more of what I do and I teach designers how to become brand strategists if they actually find that very interesting. You can find more information there. Awesome. So I'll include all those links and many of the references that we talked about in this episode. I'll include all of that just so that you have it in the show notes as well as uh, in the description on the video that's accompanying this. Linda, thank you once again for joining us. Definitely appreciate you just taking the time because you're giving back and you didn't, you don't necessarily have to, you can keep all these secrets to yourself, but you're sharing them. And uh, we definitely do appreciate that. So as a thank you, all the listeners, 
just put into practice some of the things that she said. And uh, like you mentioned, produce results, produce, you know, put in the effort and get results because she's put in the efforts and gotten results in her own business. And she's at a place where she didn't think was probably possible at one point. So, thank yeah, you. thank you again. It's great being here.